Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. Welcome to the 100th episode of Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. I'm Jane Donovan. We've got our party hats on and there's streamers. Happy birthday to us. And there's champagne, <laughs> but it's, of course, biodynamic and it's, you know, free, fair trade and it's organic certified and everything. So it's, <laughs> it's all happening here. We're so glad you could join us for the party. We just wanted to talk quickly um, before our very special guests today about what it's meant for us to have been on this journey. Jane? Mm. Gosh, I just think back to that day that you you met with me in a coffee shop and said, you know, we've got this opportunity to do a podcast together on, on the wellness couch. What do you think we can talk about? And within, I'm not kidding, it was like 30 minutes, we'd fleshed out 52 episodes. It's like, well, well what, what, what can't we talk about? <laughs> Let us off the But the at the same box. time, such nerves that, you know, never having done this before and and it was just so effortless. From the beginning, wasn't it? It yeah. was incredibly effortless and easy and so joyful, so much full of joy doing this. However, I'm humbled every single day by the emails, the Facebook messages, uh, you know, the clients that book in for coaching with us that you guys are so beautiful with the, your generosity of spirit of how much you've appreciated this. And it's just such a beautiful two-way street of energy. So thank you so much for your loyalty, for listening, for sharing with your friends about our podcast. It's just fabulous. And we hope that we keep going for at least another 100. Love Life is currently in over about 100 countries around the world, I believe. There are people listening to us in Bolivia and Uganda and Pakistan and places that you just can't even believe. And we extend our hellos to all of those people. It's just incredible who's been finding us around the globe, coming in on the vibration, the frequency that Love Life actually emits. It's been very, very cool. And, of course, Jane and I have you know, had our own emotional journeys playing out behind the scenes as everyone's always are through all of this. And we've used so much of our personal lives in the show to be able to teach and heal ourselves and, and also keep our finger on the zeitgeist of, you know, if it's real for us, it's got to be real for you. And if we're processing our own stuff, we want to be able to share the tools and the knowledge that we're gaining every step of the way to make it practical and accessible and just, just reality-based for you guys that are listening. So it's been... Not to mention all the beautiful emails that we get of topic yeah. suggestions with, with our listeners' stories and and that's been such a privilege to be able to share our wisdom and take on what we think's going on. Bottom line, it's been a group therapy session, but, yes, a, but a really we'll pleasant, to be. <laughs> really really pleasant one. Now, on that note, we have a really really special guest today. We do. And um, well, this is you know over the last few podcasts, I have talked about different bits and pieces that I've picked up from and the amazing book, The Big Leap. And Beck surprised me and said, guess who I've got to interview? And we went, oh, it's got to be for the 100th show. Yeah, because it was actually quite funny. I, I thought, you know what, it can't hurt to just flick them an email and see. And Jane was having a really bad day and I said, don't worry, Jane, I've got something that's going to make you feel happier. And she said, what? And I said, we've got Gay Hendrix for the 100th episode. <laughs> and we had a bit of a scream. So we are absolutely thrilled to welcome the one and only Gay Hendricks to our couch today. Now, Gay Hendricks, I mean, his bio is so long that I'm just going to have to try and boil it down. But all you need to know about this man is that he has been doing relationship transformation, body-mind therapies, 
counseling psychology work for 45 years. He's written 35 books, probably more by now, okay? He's appeared on more than 500 radio and television shows. He's done Oprah. He has joined the dots in extraordinary ways in his lifetime through the work and the clients that have been presented to him. He has drawn some fascinating conclusions. And the book that Jane and I have both resonated with the most is his book, The Big Leap. And we've got him on the show today to talk to you about some of the amazing concepts that this life-changing book encapsulates. So, Gay, thank you so much for joining the Love Life Show. Thank you very much, Rebecca and Jane. I appreciate you uh, inviting us on. I wanted to also send greetings from my wife, Kathleen, also known as Katie. Uh, uh, You forgot to mention in my bio, probably not in there, my biggest achievement, though, is uh, we're just having our 33rd wedding anniversary this Now, that is appropriate for a love life show. Yes, congratulations. That's fabulous. Of course, Gay and and Katie have co-authored many of their books together. They they do amazing life work together. So a power couple right there. Gay, I have to ask, you are such a visionary. You have joined dots together that are so unique and yet somehow simplistic to understand and be able to implement in our lives. How did you become so visionary? Well, one thing I remember as a kid, one of the strengths I had as a kid, I could always look at a situation and kind of see how it was put together or or see what it took to make it happen. You know, like if we were going to move, for example, from one house to another, my mother would always task me with saying, okay, would you kind of lay out the moves we have to make, what's required to do it? Because that's just the way my mind works. So when I... I started studying psychology in my 20s, and especially when I was getting my PhD at Stanford, I had the opportunity to observe a lot of different kinds of couples and uh, different kinds of people that were struggling with different kinds of problems. And so it became, when I would look at a problem like, why aren't these people getting along in relationship? It's kind of like I could see the fundamental component parts that were keeping them that they weren't seeing. And so that became a real strength I used because uh, when we worked with the first thousand or so couples before we wrote our book, Conscious Loving, uh, 20 years ago, um, the one that was first on Oprah and all of that, um, we worked with about a thousand couples to come up with some conclusions. And we came up with things like, you know, if you want to mess up a relationship fast, Stop telling the truth to your partner. Or if you want to make up a, a mess up a relationship fast, be sure and start blaming your partner. And so we looked at these different component parts, and then we started figuring out things that people could do as solutions instead of those problems. And the same thing in The Big Leap. Um, that book was partly based on working with people in relationships, but was also partly based on working with a lot of successful executives, both men and women, who had they gotten successful and then sabotaged it in some way. And it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire executive or a, or a movie star or a alligator wrestler or a, uh, uh, a Vegemite manufacturer. It doesn't matter who you are and what you do. It's that all of us have upper limits on how much love and positive energy and success we will allow to flow through us. And those upper limits get installed at a very early age. And so a lot of times the people I've worked with don't even realize the thing that's limiting them, that's holding them back. 
they can't see it. It's kind of like a fish. If you ask the fish, what is water like? They'd say, what's water? You know, because they can't stand outside it and look in to see what water actually is. So the same thing happens. We get lost inside our upper limit and don't realize that just outside it, there's this whole new life if we could only crack through what the core issues are. And so the big leap is about helping people really connect with their real core issues so that they can move through that to a whole new version of themselves. You, you describe a number of different zones. And as you say in the book, people will often get into a zone which is quite comfortable and they're very happy to settle there but never push up beyond. Can you explain to the listeners what some of the examples of those zones would be? Yes, I described four different zones in The Big Leap. One of them is what I call the zone of incompetence. Another is the zone of competence. A third one is the zone of excellence. And a fourth one is the zone of genius. Now, so many people get trapped in the zone of incompetence by repeatedly doing things they're not very good at. They spend their time doing things that they're just not organically any good at that somebody else could do a lot better. So it hasn't occurred to them to maybe delegate it or, you know, get somebody else to do it. And so um, one of the things that we do in our work here is we help people in our seminars get out of their zone of incompetence and competence and into their zone of excellence, but then ultimately into their zone of genius. The zone of competence are things that you're good at, you can do, but somebody else could do them just as well. Um, and the zone of excellence are the things that you're really good at. You probably make money doing it. You get compliments for doing it, but it's still not what you really came here to do. And so a lot of times, even, you know, I've had people, I'm, I'm sitting here in my home office and I'm just looking over at the couch there in this seat that we sit on here. And I've realized I've had couples in this chair here or in this, uh, or um, on our couch, or I've had executives in this chair here that have literally been worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but don't let themselves enjoy it. So there's another upper limit. It doesn't matter if you make a hundred million or, you know, $10, if you don't let yourself enjoy it. So and so it's important people don't think about it just in monetary terms. It's often in emotional terms is what you're saying. Exactly, because if you have plenty of money but don't let yourself or the people around you enjoy it, well, what's the point? You know, it's like you're locked inside a prison. And so that's one problem that people, I've seen people really break through, is one of the things we say here is that money problems are never about money and sex problems are never about sex. Uh, because if you look underneath a money problem, for example, two, two people may be fighting about money, and yet they're both scared about the same things, but neither one of them has said, I'm scared. You know, both of them are saying, you're doing it wrong. The other one say, no, you're doing it wrong. And they go back and forth like that, but they never get down to the real issue. I found it fascinating. I had a real aha moment when I read that when people are in a battle together, they're actually competing for who's got the better victim story. I thought, wow, that is such a simple, cool way to look at it. And who wants to be a victim? So I can no longer be in a battle because I don't want to be the victim. 
No, it's a really good point because you see, the moment you lock into thinking you're the victim, what does the other person look like? They look like the per persecutor or the perpetrator. And of course, nobody likes to be depicted as the perpetrator. So what does that person do? They race to get into the victim position too. They say, no, wait a minute, I'm the bigger victim here. And then the other person says, no, wait a minute, it's me. And pretty soon they're fighting about victimization rather than how can we express our genius together. See, because the ultimate thing I'm talking about in the big leap is that inside ourselves, we have what I call the zone of genius, which is what we're really here to do. You know, what we are absolutely called in our hearts and our souls to do. And what we've found in working with hundreds, thousands of people now is that unless you answer that call, you're never fully happy. You're never fully satisfied. That when you answer that call and bring all of yourself forward and put your whole genius to work for you, it puts you in a different state of existence. You know, you have that kind of vibrance. And I still feel that today, even though I'm 69 years old, I still feel like that way as much as the day I discovered all this. Your, uh, energy, years ago. your yeah. energy is amazing. Yeah. You're so vibrant and excited you know it, it's exciting i get excited watching you and listening to you. your your energy is incredible but gay what do you say to people that say i don't know what my call to genius is i have no idea i know i'm here to do something but i don't know what almost everybody says that rebecca that's really a key thing because most times we're not used to kind of looking inside and answering the question hmm what is my unique ability. What is my genius? What do I most love to do? And here's the thing. All it takes is 10 minutes. So when somebody says that to me, I say, okay, let's take 10 minutes now and focus on it. Because if a person focuses on it, it almost never takes them more than 10 minutes. It took me an hour the first time I really inquired into it, but that was because I didn't have any kind of guide or anything. I was just doing it under a tree out in the woods. And so, but with a little guidance, like for example, here's the kind of guidance I'm talking about. Right now, as you two tune into yourselves, let's just get very real and personal. What is one of your unique abilities? What do you consider something in your zone of genius? Something that you love to do. You could do it all day long, even if you weren't getting paid for it, but you're probably getting well paid for it, but you love it so much you do it all day long for nothing. What is that thing in you? I think for me it would be empathy, the fact that I have an ability to have huge amounts of empathy with any situation without judgment. Uh-huh. So you can hold people in the non-judgmental space of empathy without needing to fix them or That's judge right. them or anything it. like that. I can sit in it so they can share. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I guess I feel that they can feel, as a result of that, they can feel safe to share their stories that maybe they've never been able to articulate to someone before. Beautiful. And what about you, Rebecca? Oh, it's putting on the spot, man. It's like having this a is therapy. This is gold. We've got the guru. We've got a really expensive counselor, like embarrassing publicly. We're getting ten thousand dollar conversation. I know. Here. We're so lucky. Thank you. Okay. Take a deep breath and yeah. go for it. Come on, share your vulnerability, Beck. Oh, well, you know what it is. We've just been talking about this. Well, it's to do with um, pa passions, isn't it? It's we're getting right to the core of our passions. Um, I'm a very intuitive person, so it's using my 
my perceptiveness to tune into people as well, but in a different way to Jane. But for me, it is more the writing and speaking, I think. Teenage. Teenage. Teenage, wanting to help younger people, using my writing and speaking, wanting to help younger people connect in with their self-love, their true selves, and their passions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's a very powerful life purpose. And you can also see that it has powerful implications for the people around you. And I think the best life purposes you come up with have something in them that serves other people. I notice that when people get in touch with that kind of life purpose, they they actually operate in a more inspired way all the time because it's in service to something larger than themselves or outside themselves. So I think part of life involves learning how to take exquisitely good care of ourselves inside, treating ourselves magnificently while at the same time opening up a space for other people to treat themselves magnificently also. Beautiful. Um, I love in the book, um, Gay, where you say your grandfather had that great phrase, stuck on stupid. And this, this is back to that thing about where we get into these these patterns and cycles often quite subconscious, we don't realise we're doing it, of self-sabotage where we go round and around and around. And, and as you phrase it, it's people are actually afraid of enjoying positive energy. Why are we afraid of being happy? Well, first of all, I think at an early age, many of us are punished for getting too excited or too much, you know, being too much or too overexcited or something. So we're kind of And, you know, we can understand from a parent's point of view that also, because uh, I remember one time when my little girl was two years old, she got upset one day in a store because I wouldn't buy her something. And so the next time we were going to the store, I had this long conversation with her. I said, look, I want you to be really, really, you know, happy and fun to be with in the store. And we went through carefully what happened last time and why it happened. And so even you can have conversations like that with a two-year-old, you know, because the next time we went to the store, it didn't happen again because she'd had some boundaries set for her. And, you know, now she's in her 40s, so, and I'm happy to report that she still doesn't throw temper tantrums in stores here 40 <laughs> years later. <laughs> well done, Guy. Excellent work. <laughs> I to keep a 40 year old from throwing tantrums in a store, that's a big achievement <laughs> as a parent. I found the upper limit concept incredibly fascinating also, where you talk about where you, we have a ceiling of what we, happiness we will allow in our life. And I equate that, of course, back to, where is our self-worth? We only are worthy of a certain amount of happiness. And how fascinating it is to look on your life and think when something amazing has happened in one area of your life, how you immediately go into self-sabotaging within another area of your life to pull that limit down. It's like, don't get above yourself. And that was fascinating. Gay, you give some really cool examples in your book of famous celebrities who've done this in a, in a way that we can all understand. Can you reel off one or two examples so the listeners understand? Well, one of the classic ones is um, one of our beloved comedians, John Belushi, who at one point in his career had the hottest TV show, Saturday Night Live, and he had just made a huge movie with Dan Aykroyd called Blues Brothers, and then he had also had the number one album with the album from the Blues Brothers, and so he was, you know, everything was just going his way. And so obviously there was some part of him that didn't feel like he deserved that kind of good feeling in his life uh, because 
then suddenly he died from an overdose. And I remember feeling so sad. I was driving home when I heard that one time on the news many years ago. And I, I remember feeling so sad about that because here's this luminous person who obviously didn't have that inside. And most recently, Robin Williams, another really beloved comedian that almost everybody has seen his, his work. And it was so saddening to see that upper limit come to pass in him where he could never quite love himself as much as he put out love to other people. And so also, uh, when I was writing The Big Leap, I studied a bunch of uh, people who had won the lottery. Uh, I don't know if you have lotteries uh, in Australia, do you? Sure yeah. do. No, not quite as big as what you have, but they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> this one, uh, I forget how much the person won, but they the biggest one, the person won a huge amount of money, you know, I think over $100 million. And the interesting thing was that he had already won one lottery before and had won a couple of million dollars. And the guy was lucky enough to win another one that was really big. Next thing you knew... He was in a bunch of lawsuits with members of his family. He passed out in a um, gentleman's club, I believe they called him, uh, colloquially called a stripper bar, and uh, was mugged for $500,000 that he had cash in his pockets. And so the inability to enjoy good fortune is a problem that, see, in humanity, over the thousands and thousands of years, human beings have had to deal with adversity, 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 pain, pain, pain. We have millions of pain receptors all over our bodies, all over our feet and everything to register pain. But there aren't that many places where we're wired up for pure pleasure. And so we're going through an evolutionary change where we're learning to feel good for longer and longer periods of time and not mess up our lives. And so in relationship, for example, we've had couples come in that'll have three good days and then an argument, and then two or three more good days, then an argument. So it goes, and that's the way, frankly, a lot of relationships go. We've had people come in that have been married 20 or 30 years that have been basically having the same argument over and over again every few weeks throughout their whole marriage, and they've never gotten it fixed because nobody has gotten to the level of what's really underneath driving the problem. And that's really why I wrote The Big Leap, was because I want to show people what it is they actually need to we do under there, and it's not that complicated once you understand it. You know, like, you know, if a person who had never seen a light switch before was trying to figure out how it operated, well, you know, pretty soon they'd fool around with it and they'd push the right button. Well, relationships are kind of like that too. We just have a more complicated set of buttons that we need to figure out what they do. And so, you know, there's huge areas of relationship that we don't learn anything about in school. Like, I didn't have 10 minutes. Um, training in school on things like how to communicate feelings honestly and uh, how to take responsibility for something without blaming yourself or another person. You know, wouldn't that be a great skill to have in the first grade or oh, the second grade? I often talk about a lot of the, the, the concepts that we talk about on Love Life that before I die, I want this in the mainstream school curriculum. You know, there's a lot of uh, really good life tools that should be taught to us very young so that we can embrace greater happiness in life. I also found it fascinating when you talked about as you cracked the upper limit problem that you didn't have a cold or a flu for 13 years. I still haven't had a cold or a flu since then. 
See, that is fabulous. And isn't our, it? our listeners are going to be really interested by this because a lot of them come from heavily based, like health and wellness, holistic industries. So, can you talk about the emotional game that you've 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 conquered this? You've conquered the illness in the body because because why? Because how? Okay. Well, I treat illness as some message that I'm not paying attention to otherwise. So if I start feeling a little off-center, like a scratchy throat, like you get sometimes before um, um, before you get a cold, you know, that's... Yes. Uh, Your glands uh, go off, so, something like that. Yeah, um, or like with um, flu, sometimes you get an achy in the joints or a kind of a chilled feeling or a fatigue feeling. Yeah, sorry. Okay. That. Well, if I start feeling that kind of thing, I immediately take some time off, like 30 minutes or so, and I just sit quietly and meditate and try to kind of listen to what the message is that my body's trying to say to me. And sometimes it's saying, get some more rest, or sometimes it's saying, um, get a little bit more vitamin C or nutrients through your body. Um, but... What I do is I kind of just listen and pay attention, and then I let myself really feel the symptoms and let myself just feel them as much as I possibly can, and then they usually pass on through. They don't have to seem to have to go into a regular full-scale flu or the cold. I have a, Sorry, please. Well, I also want to tell you that I use a breathing trick also, and I want to be really clear about that because I think the breathing trick is very important. A long time ago, I learned that you could change the acid-alkaline balance of your breath by holding your breath out of your body for a little time. In other words, and then hold it and don't let any air in because what happens is then the oxygen CO2 balances out in your body and then you take another breath. So I have this breathing trick that I also do if I'm sitting there during my quiet 30 minutes. I also do the breathing where I breathe all the way out and then I just pause for a little while comfortably and then I let a breath come in. And so I do that a whole bunch of times until I feel really balanced inside. And so that's another thing that I think goes along with the kind of listening to the message of um, of that. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, I've written several books on breathing. I'm a big passionate fan and student of breathing. I have a whole book called Conscious Breathing that's got a lot of these ideas in it. Uh, but um, Because, Gay, can I just say at that point, that another um, quote that I pulled out from Big Leap, which really, yeah, struck me, was the quote, fear is excitement without the breath. And you talk about breathing through fear. Can you talk about that to our listeners? Yes, I want to give credit to a psychiatrist named Fritz Perls, who is an MD, a medical doctor and a psychologist uh, in the up to about 1970. So he covered the first part of the 20th century. Uh, I think he was born in the late 19th century and died about 1970. But he said that, um, and I remember hearing that and thinking, what the heck could he mean? But practically speaking, it's really true that the same mechanisms that drive, that 
operate when you're scared also operate when you're excited. But the difference is when you're afraid, you're you're not breathing very deeply. You're holding your breath. You're you know you're you're caught up in fear. And what he was saying is when that happens, if you start taking some easy deep breaths again, you can change your fear into excitement right there on the spot. And I wouldn't have believed that when I first, I mean, I had to try it out a few times, but it's something that I've even taught to fifth graders now or to little kids. And I certainly taught it to my own uh, daughter when she was young, um, because there are lots of situations in life where you get scared, but there's really quote, nothing to get scared about, you know, like, uh, there's no monster really chasing you. It's just that you're afraid that there's a monster hiding behind the screen, you know? And so uh, you um, you need a simple trick to chase fear out of your body, and that's the best one I've found. I'm also fascinated by your Einstein time concept. Fascinating. Can you share a bit of that, please? Yes, well, it comes down to uh, one time um, Einstein... By the way, um, I don't know if we're on video or audio, but you may okay. be able to see if we're on video. We, uh, I have a picture of Einstein behind me, an autographed picture of him. Um, uh, but if we're on audio, you won't be able to see that. But my wife gave me an autographed picture of Albert Einstein one year for uh, my birthday, and I one of my treasured possessions. Um, so um, Einstein said he was asked to explain the theory of relativity in a simple way. And he said, okay. If you're sitting on a hot stove, a minute feels like an hour. But if you're with your beloved, an hour feels like a minute. And so I thought about that. And I remember thinking, okay, the variable there is both time and space. Because if you think about it, why does, if you're sitting on something hot, why does that feel like an hour instead of a minute? And it's because with every cell of you, you're trying to get away from having the experience you're having. And so that's why you're kind of wanting to get out of your body. And so you've frozen time. You've stopped time. And so the other way around, if you're with your beloved, if you're in the embrace of your favorite man or woman or... Green aliens. Puppy or uh, Vegemite or whatever it is that <laughs> you're in love with... <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you, you want to be there with every moment. You know, you want to be there in all of yourselves. And so time kind of then goes by very quickly because you're occupying more and more and more space. And so when you're sitting on a hot stove, you're trying to occupy as little space as you possibly can. And so it slows time down to like molasses. So, um, the idea there, though, is that if you're willing to take the big leap of considering that you're where time comes from, rather than time being outside yourself. So people, because they look up at a clock, they think time is outside themselves. But in actual reality, you control time because you may think that you need to be in a hurry to get someplace, but you don't actually need to be in a hurry. You could walk there just as slowly and probably get there faster than if you rushed. Because how many times have you had the situation happen? When you're in hurry mode, you trip over something or you forget something or something happens. Um, 
I read a study one time that said that uh, something like uh, 75 or 80 percent of car accidents happen within an hour of some kind of emotional upset. Oh. Well, that's a great, I mean, and I've actually known people that total their car right after an argument. I'm, you know, because we have a lot of couples that come here for counseling. Many of them had a story of, yeah, we were in the middle of a big argument and I went out to clear my head and drove the car into a tree. You know, so there's those kinds of situations where people get in an upset state and then try to do something and have disastrous consequences as a result. So the big leap is all about really two things. It's all about how to overcome the upper limit problem, how to get out of that trap that we've all got into of settling for less than what we really want to have in life. And the other thing is how to operate in your zone of genius. And you get there by these little moments of 10 minutes at a time or even 10 seconds at a time. You get there by asking yourself these questions like, what do I most love to do? And the interesting thing is, that the connection then with time is that the more you get into your zone of genius, the more time opens up for you. And so the more time you experience time in your zone of genius, starting with even 10 minutes at first, then that mushrooms to 20 minutes, to 30 minutes, to 40 minutes. Pretty soon you'll be doing what I'm doing, which is I spend 90% of my time in my zone of genius now. And the rest of my time just getting around from place to place to do it. But I, when I first started, I was spending 10% of my time in my zone of genius. But over the past 30 years, I've gradually more and more and more time in my zone of genius to now it's pretty much everything I do. But you have to start somewhere. And I say start with 10 minutes of just sitting down in a chair and asking yourself, what are my unique abilities? What do I most love to do? What is it that when I do it produces a lot of abundance compared to the amount of time? I spend doing it. Some of the best ideas I've ever had took me 10 seconds to think them and then maybe a year to express them, you know, to write the book about them. But, um, you know, even the ideas behind the big leap came from just one moment of, aha, you know, way back 40 years ago. And then it took me a bunch of years to get around to writing the book because I had to figure out how it all worked. <laughs> um, Gay Jane's really big on affirmations. She's the affirmation queen. And in your book, The Big Leap, of course, you've got the concept of the USM, which is the ultimate success mantra. As Americans say, we say mantra over here. <laughs> mantras. But can you talk to us about the power of um, mantras and, you know, what that's meant for you? Well, the idea of a mantra or a mantra is to lock in a key idea and bring it into yourself at the deepest level of the mind. And so, for example, I expand in love and creativity every day as I, or whatever the affirmation is, I expand in love and abundance or whatever you want to implant in your mind. You say it to yourself first, just quietly. I expand every day in love and abundance as I inspire other people to do the same. Get it in your own words so it has a good feeling to it. But the idea of my idea is that life is at its best when I'm expanding in love and creativity and success and abundance. But at the same time, I'm inspiring other people to do that too. Because, you know, I've, I've been blessed with good fortune, so I really haven't had to, had to do anything like work for 20 years or so now. But what 
that gets me excited to work more than I probably did 20 years ago was the fact that to me, these ideas are so powerful and can be so helpful that I don't think I'd feel good every day unless I did everything possible to express them in the world. And I think that's why The Big Leap has on, been on one bestseller list or another since it came out several years ago. In fact, I think there's a big anniversary coming up of something like five years on the bestseller list for The Big Leap. And wow. uh, so a lot of people are sending out tweets about it this month and that kind of thing. I've been mm. seeing a lot of tweets go by about it. Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, maybe you guys have been doing that too. Um, but I'm really happy that it's touched so many people because to me, the idea of spending your life doing what you are uniquely suited, what you really came here to do, is such a great idea that I'd stand in the middle of the street in uh, Adelaide, Australia, proclaiming that over a loudspeaker. It's such a good idea. <laughs> We'd love to have you in the middle of Adelaide, Australia. <laughs> Fair sight to be seen. Go. We're going to wrap up in a minute. Is there anything more that you want to mention that either you feel is important for people to know, or something that you're commonly asked um, that you just feel it's important to share at this point? One of the most important things I ever get asked on a daily basis is, "Where do I start?" You know, what if if I could do just one thing to start with, what would that be? And I think there's actually a couple of things that you can start with. With one is start with that first 10 seconds of simply loving and accepting yourself as you are right now. Because that's loving yourself and accepting yourself where you are right now is a springboard toward creating the life you really want. So that's a 10-second thing to start with. A 10-minute thing to start with is sit down sometime today in a quiet spot and ask yourself a few questions like, what do I most love to do? And what is it that when I do it, time just flies. And then ask yourself some practical questions like, hmm, is there a way I can do that in a way that serves other people so that it inspires them to send me money? Um, that's, you know, I started my first group, my first breathing group had six people in it long before I wrote a book about it. And, you know, now I routinely teach classes with thousands of people. And it even over the web, you know, that I'll have a thousand people stretched around the world teaching a breathing class. And that's really exciting to me that technology has given us the opportunity to reach people. You know, even having this conversation we're having now would have been very difficult not too long ago. Um, very so uh, I'm, uh, I feel very blessed by that. And, uh, and I would say another place to start, we put out a newsletter every uh, Oh, sometimes once a week, sometimes every other week. And you can find out all about that at Hendricks.com, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S.com. And uh, you can sign up for the newsletter there. It's a very informative thing. This happened, the, the one that just came out today happened to be on the subject. It was for single people. It happened to be on the subject of learning to love that part of yourself that's, that's like the part of a beloved that you want to bring in. In other words, first give yourself the kind of love that you want to have from another person. And so um, every day or every week or two, we send out some ideas <clears throat> like that that um, that we think are helpful to people. It's very interesting you say that because my other thing that I do in life is I'm a matchmaker and a singles coach. <laughs> so I will definitely be getting your tips, that's for sure. Oh. Well, you know what? You should uh, you should go check out our singles e-course called Attracting Genuine Love. Um, and I, I think it's just attractinggenuinelove.com, um, it, but it's a whole course for single people. 
Uh, take a look at it. I bet you'd uh, enjoy it. And Absolutely. Some of our listeners definitely. Gay, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. It's just been mesmerising. It's It's been like a masterclass. So thank you so much for sharing really a lifetime's worth of work boiled down to an, a really powerful half hour. Um, for everyone who's listening, it's Hendrix.com. And as, as Gay points out, it's not Jimi Hendrix. There's no X's. <laughs> There's no X's in the address, where it's H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S dot com. You can sign up for his newsletter there. You'll find all of his books, I mean, there and on Amazon and in the best probably bookstore near you because, like he says, many of them are bestsellers. So they've certainly done the rounds. You might even find an old copy tucked in your mum's bookcase somewhere that you didn't even know was there. <laughs> Gay, thank you very much for joining us today. And Jane's going to finish up yes. on your beautiful affirmation. I am. I expand in abundance, success and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. Thanks again, Gay. Blessings to you. Thank you. Blessings to you. And to everyone who's listening, you can join us every week on thewellnesscouch.com or, of course, um, on iTunes Australia. And until this time next week, have a beautiful, empowering, abundant week and push those upper limits. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening, and it's a beautiful day.